Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our Ramadans, especially through the Holy Quran. Uh, we start with a verse. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Innal muslimina wal muslimati wal mu'minina wal mu'minati wal qanitina wal qanitati wal sadiqina wal sadiqat. والصابرين والصابرات والخاشعين والخاشعات والمتصدقين والمتصدقات والصائمين والصائمات والحافظين فروجهم والحافظات والذاكرين الله كثيرا والذاكرات أعد الله لهم مغفرة وأجرا عظيما So that's the first verse and this is basically continuing uh, from Another reflection that we did earlier about the position of uh, women in Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here in verse 35 of Surah Al-Ahzab says, Verily Muslim men and women, the believing men and women, men and women who are obedient, men and women who are truthful, men and women who are patient, men and women who are humble, men and women who give charity, men and women who fast, men and women who guard their chastity, and men and women who remember Allah much. Allah has promised forgiveness for them and a great reward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here seems to take delight in speaking so, such highly and singling out uh, women here as well along with the men and decides to use those additional words to uh, add the women uh, along with the men. Even though it's understood throughout the Qur'an that nearly all the laws in the Qur'an, even though it's speaking about men, that they relate to women as well. However, in this particular case, and as like in certain other selected places, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides to actually bring a mention of the women at the same time. Nobody argues that, you know, the women, just because they mentioned here that in other places that the women are not included. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seems to take delight in this regard, especially to speak about such devout women, because all the women mentioned here, they're all doing something of devoutness, of devotion. They're all doing something of righteousness and piety. And subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala values that hugely. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually singles them out with these additional words and says both the male and the female who do this. And... So, uh, I mean, I think maybe the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this is because there's some people who consider that women to be inferior in every sense, including in a, uh, in a right, you know, in piety and so on as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear that no, Allah, uh, while they may have separate roles and that may be mistaken to have, uh, to be, you know, a weaker role or that may be taken to be a weaker role or maybe taken to be a, a lesser role or whatever the case is, they're the exact same in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes joy in mentioning and reveling, basically mentioning both of them in great happiness and mentioning their excellent con conduct and their entitlement to reward. Now let us uh, move on a bit. Um, I'm going to mention to you three verses, uh, three more verses which you've probably heard of many, many times. If you've been to a marriage ceremony, you would have heard these three verses. These are the three verses that are mentioned, right? These are the three verses that are nearly always mentioned, always read when a marriage is conducted because they form part of the marriage khutbah. And these verses, the first one is from Surah An-Nisa. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمُ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ نَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَخَلَقَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا That's verse 
That's the first verse which we uh, uh, read of Surah An-Nisa. Second verse, Surah Ali Imran, verse 102. O believers, fear Allah as He should be feared, and do not die except in the state of Islam, in the state of submission. That's the second verse. The third verse is from Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 70 and 71. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu attaqullaha wa qulu qawlan sadeeda yuslih lakum a'malakum wa yaghfil lakum dhunubakum wa man yuti'illaha wa rasoolahu faqad faza fawzan azeema This means, O believers, fear Allah and speak the truth. He will direct you to good deeds and will forgive your sins. And whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, he has indeed attained a great achievement. Now what's really interesting here, maybe you've been able to see it already, and the reason why I'm bringing these three verses up is because these are very prominent verses that are quoted and read so often uh, in the khutbas. And those of us who don't understand Arabic, then they don't understand, I mean they, they probably hear the recurring theme of the verses, but they don't understand what they mean. And what's the signification of uh, significance of actually mentioning these verses in a married situation? So that's what we're going to look at. The first thing that you'll see from all three of these is ittaqullah, 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 right? Is fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and gain consciousness of Him. That's pretty much the big message from this. Now, let's look at it that the marriage that is conducted, marriage is a biological need, right? That's definite. I mean, people understand that marriage is, you know, done for a biological need. However, Beyond that, and probably more importantly as well, is marriage also represents a kind of worship, right? This is really interesting. Nearly all the messengers, right, they entered into wedlock, right? And it is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ himself, right? And he really fulfilled this sunnah, right? And what marriage does is that it reminds a man of a very important duty, that they should be cognizant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He's the one who created them that way and gave them and designed them and designated for them to be together like this and the pleasure that you receive and the comfort that you that, that you attain, it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the verses we read, uh, which are mentioned in the sermon, you know, as I said, the first one is from Surah An-Nisa itself and underscores the important status of women, right? They both have responsibilities. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to both. That's why I said, Ya ayyuhan nas. Allah created you from uh, male and female. right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks mankind to fear their Lord who has created them from a single person, which is Adam alayhi salam. From him he created Hawa alayhi salam. And then from them, that's where we all came from. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, there's good reason you know, to fear me. Right? Because I am the beginning of everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse actually recounts the beginning of the human race. Right? It's a very auspicious beginning. And this is basically our history. This is the story of our ancestor. Right? Adam alayhi salam and Hawa alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created first just Adam alayhi salam. Right? In a non-embryonic way. You know, through clay. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala soon created a spouse from Adam salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created his spouse from one of his bones, okay, one of his ribs. And now, mashallah, the whole of the world is populated. And marriage is a very, very natural process. Natural moral principles should be uh, adopted in marriage, right? And that's why 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this first pair as being uh, a blessing, right? This first pair, Adam alayhi salam, Hawa alayhi salam, are a blessing, right? Because otherwise we would not have been here. We learn a number of things number of things from this, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everybody from a single person, right? A large gap in a person's life, you know, when they're not married and then when they get married, especially if they've done it successfully, it fills a massive gap in life. SubhanAllah, it fills a massive gap in life. When I got married, I delayed it a bit, I think. I mean, no, not really. I, I could have delayed it more. But when I did get married, I wished I'd married at least a few years earlier. It's just, subhanAllah, so much comfortable. So much comfort you gain from that. It's just so much that you get from it. It's like the fulfillment of a human need. It's, a, it's what we're made for one another. And men and women should come sooner than later. Unfortunately, in today's world, people are coming later. They're not marrying early enough. Unfortunately, they do get involved. Many people are getting involved in un, uh, unlawful relationships. And that's not a good thing at all. Now, again, uh, what these verses show us is that man is not just dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he's also dependent on his fellow human beings in all his transactions and his social relations for example the education right it ties the teacher and the student together as I mentioned in another reflection right the teacher's responsibility is to teach but also then to check on uh, the, the child's rearing and nourishment or the student's nourishment and so on each one of us is dependent on another for something or the other. Nobody can claim to be absolutely independent because the stuff we eat, that which we clothe ourselves, that which we do, maybe you know we can't make and manufacture and grow and all of these things. That's why we need others to do it for us. So no man can exercise absolute authority or power in this world because that's not the design. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the absolute authority. He owes us nothing. Yet he gives us so much. He is the only one in absolute power, absolute authority. All right? Nobody else can claim to do that. If they do that, they are competing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like competition. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us to fear Allah. right? To fear Allah whose name a person would invoke for others' helps, uh, others help, for example. Right? Uh, for example, uh, when in Islam, when we get married to one another, we do it in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are uh, Quranic verses recited, there are, there, there are hadiths that are mentioned and recounted, and there's, uh, there, there's the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that comes about in that regard. And Islam links people and teaches them to join one another through matrimonial alliances of this nature. right? And the purpose of this matrimonial alliance is to forge mutual relations among individuals, races, and communities. If you look at the Prophet's various marriages, they did just that, right? They brought so many communities together in a very, very disparate and disjointed landscape. They brought so many people together and they united them all under the banner of Islam in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Along with this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, through the same verses tells us that you better maintain your kinship right? and j because when a person gets married there's a new kinship that he's tying there's a new connection he's making and it's a very engaging and involving connection with one spouse the wife will join with the husband the husband will join with the wife they will have a lot of shared and common interests, they will have children together, they will be, you know, depending on one another. So 
what some people tend to do is they forget their original birth and blood relatives. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, don't forget that. I mean, that's very relevant coming after the discussion of husband and wife uh, in, in a marriage context. That don't forget your kinship with one another, right? And don't have shortcomings in that regard. Don't neglect those relationships. A lot of people do, subhanAllah. A lot of people do. And some husbands actually force their wives to neglect a relationship with her, her side of the family. Likewise, you get some wives who force the husband uh, to do the same with his side of the story, with his side of the family. And that is wrong because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is ever watchful over you to make sure you don't do that. He's counting everything that we do. Thereafter that, um, uh, you can see the verse 102 of Surah Ali Imran. It, again, that's a more simpler verse in the sense that it's asking uh, people, to uh, believers, to fear Allah as much as He should be feared. So that one is actually telling Allah, not, telling us not to just fear Allah, but fear Allah in the way He wants us to be, wants us to fear Him, that He's entitled to, that He deserves, that He must be feared, right? So, man is not free to set a standard on this himself that I can fear, I'm only going to fear him this much or that much. That's been determined by the Sharia. Our fear of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is determined by the Sharia. That obviously includes obeying His commands. And pursuing the way that's been prescribed by him and avoiding the, the harams and the wrongs and, and so on. Marriage is a happy occasion and people get a bit overboard on marriage because it's a happy occasion. They think it's a once in a lifetime event. So that's why they somehow they almost think that God looks the other way. right? This is not Purim like the Jews have where they say God looks the other way and they, you know, they, they think they can do so many different things on that day. No. Uh, in fact, I, my experience and my encouragement is that make sure that your wedding, your whole wedding process and everything is as according to the Sharia as possible because you need every bit of blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make the subsequent days work. The few days of the wedding ceremonies and receptions will end. The, night, the, the honeymoon will come to an end then the real grit of life starts after that. And that's when you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help most. And you don't want to start off on the wrong foot. Then the last verse that's quoted, again, uh, it exhorts believers to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this case, say the right word. Speak the truth. Don't say wrong things. Don't do falsehood. right? And very, very, very intricately explained, the believers are directed to speak the truth. And when you speak the truth, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us is to actually become habituated to truth, to grow habitual in truth. And that is when it will change the character of people. When you make a habit of the truth for the sake of the truth, right? That is what will set the right course in your life. You will not have to uh, worry about what you said the last time you will be a very, very truthful character because that's your perspective. Okay? And Allah will help us and Allah will assist us in that regard. Marriage is a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, right? It draws us closer to Allah. It gives us a fulfillment of our human desires, right? And marriage is a privilege. Many people think that the marriage, ritual, uh, marriage is no more than a ritual. Right, the marriage ceremony is no more than ritual. Actually, it's a mode of worship, as I said. 
the ulama have mentioned, right, that whoever leads his married life in accordance with the Sharia is considered to be con constantly engaged in worship. Ajib. There was uh, one of the great scholars of the Sabkhan, Shah Muhammad Yaqub, and Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi actually quotes this, and I, and I say this because I want, I want to provide some backing for where I'm saying this because this is an amazing point. He says, when you start your prayer, you get reward. When you intend your prayer, when you're waiting for your prayer, you get a reward. But as soon as you finish your prayer and you've done it, your reward ends until you start anticipating the next prayer. However, marriage is 24-7. If you've been married for the right reason, doing the right things, and you're trying to do the right thing and maintain the marriage in the right way, it's a 24-7 reward. That's amazing. 24-7 reward. Now, anybody who thinks that, anybody who feels that their marriage is going to be, inshallah, prosperous, is that if they're doing it in the right way and they're doing it with the right sentiment. Because marriage is filled with a number of other deeds that are very valued in the sight of Allah. Marriage means you are looking after one another, you're looking after somebody else, you're complimenting somebody. You are increasing the human progeny, inshallah. Right? You are continuing the human cycle, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. You are, if, if it's a man and he's spending on his family, that's a sadaqah. Can you believe it? You give money to a relief organization and everybody knows the reward for that. You spend on your family, not exclusively that you just spend on your family, you don't spend on anybody else, but you also spend on your family. You might feel like, hey, you know what, I need that thing, but I don't feel like buying it because I'm going to spend so much money on it, even though I've got the money. Some people are very stingy, very miserly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has incentivized this and said, you will be rewarded. It's a sadaqah to spend on your family. Of course, don't go overboard. There are people, because it's their self-interest to spend on their family and to see their family in, you know, adorned in a certain way and you know, looking nice and uh, in, in good clothing and in a good house and everything. And you think you're going to get reward for that just to show off? No, you won't get it for, to show off. You will get it for, uh, for, for uh, beautifying them, for making them look good and for uh, basically making them happy. As long as it's not done with extravagance and it's not done uh, and gone overboard with it. And that's what's important. So a person gets reward for doing that. And that's why... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that verse concludes that whoever obeys Allah and his messenger, he has indeed attained a great achievement. And that's why everything that we do needs to be done according to our Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our marriages prosperous. Now, inshallah, after reading these verses, we understand that what brings it all together and the name in which we got married was the name of Allah. And the one who we need to fear in our marriages regarding our marriages is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and having said that we mustn't abandon and neglect our other responsibilities in this world marriage does not justify the abandonment of other responsibilities and other people and we must be married for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's what becomes a holy marriage that becomes a more sanctified marriage and that will be much more pro prosperous more blessed and 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 uh, have much more blessing than a marriage that is not filled with this. Maybe if you're having trouble in your marriages, maybe one of these elements are missing. And sometimes I've seen that it's just a good idea to have another nikah done, right? And uh, just as a refresher nikah, right? That's the concept. And mashallah, it's brought people back uh, on the uh, brought people back into harmony because something had come to mess it up. May Allah subhanahu wa taala grant us the harmony, grant us taqwa, 
And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the next time we see these verses, we hear these verses, we will understand the message and it will give us a message. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Please keep us all in your du'as, both uh, the speaker, uh, the production team, and mashallah, the families. And we pray for you as well that Allah bless you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand, whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.